8.46, Zhang Huang, uh, sorry, Zhang Huang, Independent Legal Research with Law Quant LLC, is here to take us through President Trump's boast about North Korea. He tweeted, many good conversations had taken place. Uh, also saying if it wasn't for him, we'd now be at war with North Korea. Well, we'll see what happens when Mike Pompeo, US Secretary of State, visits North Korea this week, but he's certainly got the pressure on to deliver some sort of plan from North Korea on dropping its nukes, because so far, yes, maybe the tensions have been averted, uh, and and the question of who gets credit for that could be debated long and hard. But uh, we're not uh, any closer to a denuclearized North Korea. So, good morning to you, Mr. Huang. Morning, Alex. Uh, what do you make of these claims from President Trump, first of all, his tweets? Well, one thing I want to say is that there is you know, kind of a saying in America these days that say that when you look at President Trump's tweets, don't take him uh, don't take him literally, but do take him seriously. So when he claims that there would have been a war on the Korean Peninsula without his meeting with Kim Jong Un, I find it a little ironic in the sense that you know when if you sort of Remember back to 2017, whole tension rising, of course, so a lot of that has to do with North Korea firing missiles and testing nuclear weapons. But it was also largely due to President Trump sort of ratcheting up his you know, rhetoric, making you know some really thinly veiled threats. And seems to, the rhetoric seems to get, get into kind of a vicious cycle with North Korea and along with military exercises and you know, North Korea's own threats. You know, that's how tension got ratcheted. To say that, you know, he claims that without him, there would have been a war on North Korea. Well, I I think, you know, people were kind of feeling a lot of tension because of him and North Korea sort of getting into really nasty negative uh, dynamics. So I find it really ironic for him to say that, you know. Yeah, he well, should be taking credit for you know averting the war himself. The, the reverse is also true, isn't it? Um, it, it it's sort of like you, you could say if there had been a conflict, that the war happened because of him too. Um, oh, absolutely. He, he's, he's he's stating the obvious that he plays a central role in uh, North Korea diplomacy, but so too do several other figures. And you know, if he actually thinks about that when he tweets it, and he, he probably is a deep thinker, but you know, it, it might actually be that when he's actually taking credit for averting the war, he might actually be setting himself up for the fact that you know North Korea is now showing all kinds of signs of not really wanting to go, go forward uh, with new denuclearization as fast as America will like it so maybe he might actually say well you know I'm not getting the best deal but at least I avoided a war maybe he's setting stage for some kind of that kind of you know, secondary argument about how he did it with North Korea I mean it wasn't that long ago that um, there was very serious talk about Kim Jong-un going to the White House and and there's actually some talk about you know possibly another meeting between Trump and Kim Jong Un in New York this uh, this September of course whether that will actually come to fruition is open question but yeah but but it, it's funny how the mood just swings so quickly but as as soon as we get the the fire stoked a little bit then suddenly everyone's optimistic again and I must say I've been carried along with that it's very hard not to be carried along but but when he says there have been good conversations what does that mean exactly. 
hard to say, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, at least other reports suggest that, you know, for example, Song Kim, the former ambassador to South Korea now, now actually in extensive talks with North Korea, is, has been very unsuccessful trying to get, you know, specifics about it, you know, declu- denuclearization. In fact, you know, uh, United States has designated Mike Pompeo as the lead negotiator for all the fine details, but we really don't have somebody actually designated by North Korea as who will be the counterpart to Mike Pompeo, you know, You know, people are hoping that it has to be somebody who knows North Korea's nuclear uh, programs really well for them to actually talk about specifics. But now they don't really have a person to talk to, and it's really doubtful whether they will really come clean about complete list of their uh, nuclear uh, program capabilities. So at this point, you know, who knows uh, how the talks will uh, will advance? I mean, the only positive thing that I guess that comes out of Mike Pompeo's visit to North Korea this week is that he'll come back with um, many. of the remains of uh, U.S. soldiers found uh, from the, North, uh, the Korean War, so that might actually lift, uh, lift up some spirits. But other than that, on the actually denuclearization front, North Korea has not been very forthcoming. Well, if we're looking for someone with the gravitas right now of Mike Pompeo in the U.S., we might look to someone like Ri s u y o n g who was recently in Singapore right. for the summit, uh, was uh, foreign minister, was ambassador in Switzerland at the time that Kim Jong-un was studying there, sure. apparently has a close relationship. But Ri s u y o n g has just headed to Cuba. <laughs> And he's going to be in Cuba when Mike Pompeo is in Yeah, and gravitas aside, I mean, I think what you really need is actually, since the, there's very little you know, on-the-ground information coming out of North Korea, we really need to know exactly what North Korea has before you know, asking them, to, okay, now you have that, uh, what's your pro- plan for getting rid of it? I mean, the, if the first step is you know, getting somebody in the North Korea to, who, under, who really knows their program really well to actually talk to the U.S. negotiators, but I'm not even sure that North Korea even wants to reveal who that person is and you know very high-ranking officials might not uh, might not be actually very privy to you know that you know so-called crown jewel of you know north korean military so um with the time difference and the travel time mike pompeo will arrive in north korea tomorrow we'll see what comes of that uh but you know with the cuba visit that's now happening there had even been talk of dialogue with Bashar al-Assad of Syria that's not happened yet as far as we're aware but right. uh, North Korea does seem to be almost hedging its bets certainly continuing its long-standing alliances even those that wouldn't be favorable to the US is it really showing true signs of change well i mean i mean i guess the best that you know South Korea and uh, the United States can hope for is that Kim Jong-un is kind of a leader Like, you know, from Chinese history, I guess, Deng Xiaoping, who actually really believed that you know, Chinese communism needed to change. And even if the political system might actually be continue to be one-party rule, he really did open up China, China's economy. And Kim Jong-un sh- shows some signs of that. I mean, I guess, you know, this might be reading the tea leaves, but look at his behavior when he was in Singapore. He was going around to, to, to doing sightseeing. I think this is a guy who probably feels a little trapped in North Korea. He probably wants to be sort of... of like African style, style dictator who, who can actually open up his uh, com- uh, country's economy while holding on to his political power. And I think from South Korea and American perspective, if North Korea opens up as much as China or Vietnam, I think that's a deal that you know, we'll gladly take rather than the current kind of you know, the very uh, uh, you know, xenophobic North Korea armed to the teeth and with nuclear weapons. I think we'll, we'll much rather have North Korea that's like Vietnam base, basically. Yeah. 
So we've certainly seen a change in Kim Jong-un. Whether that leads to fundamental change on the things we want to see change in North Korea, we have to watch that space. Exactly. I mean, Kim Jong-un you know, probably, and his close advisors has probably studied history. He's seen China and Vietnam opening up his economy, yet the Communist Party is there still holding on to the power. But at the same time, you know, they have seen Saddam Hussein getting killed, Qaddafi getting killed, whole co- communist parties in Eastern Europe getting you know, toppled. Those are not really you know, the positive signs from North Korean perspective. So how they're actually viewing this, I mean, th- that is something that is a big black box. And no matter how many times you talk to North Korea, I don't think you, get a, you, have, you have been able to get a clear read on that. Yeah. I, I guess from a North Korean perspective, they have to look at how inconsistent foreign policy is. You look at the US attitude to Cuba versus North Korea, for example. The US attitude towards the Middle East is very different to the attitude towards North Korea. Kim Jong-un has that on his side, not to mention China and other powerful friends. But what about President Trump? How does South Korea go forward in this relationship? Well, that's the tricky part, right? I mean, just as we have discussed, he's taking credit for, you know, avoiding a war from the tension that he largely had a lot of, you know, role in ratcheting up. He might actually pressure South Korea as, you know, kind of a thank you note. I mean, there are various fronts that South Korea has to worry about. For example, you know, the U.S. is sort of now engaged in a trade war with Europe and China. You know, South Korea has been sort of fortunate to sort Sort of, you know, avoid that, but you know that could flare up again. Uh, President Trump will be in Europe next week for a NATO summit, and he's been, you know, t- talking a lot about getting a lot more de- de- defense contributions for European countries. And he has, has also made remarks about South Korea in the past, so we might actually feel some good pressure from that point. You know, we import a lot of oil from Iran, and you know that might be under attack. So you know, there are things that South Korea still has to worry about. Yeah, we talked about who does uh, North Korea have as the the go-to other than Kim Jong-un. Do we have to treat Mike Pompeo as almost President Pompeo when he comes for talks after his visit to North Korea this week? Does he really represent President Trump? We'll see. Thank you so much, Dong Huang, helping us get.